So, as you know, we're, the Advent series has been entitled, When Things Don't Make Sense, <laughs> We Wait. And that can be awkward at times. And, uh, but we've been looking at the whole, the, the whole story in Scripture of the coming of Jesus, the birth of Jesus, and how even in that, it didn't make a whole lot of sense when it came. But God seems to move when things are turned upside down. And today we have Patrick Kilborn, who's going to be bringing the teaching. And uh, I'm not going to say too much about it. I'm going to have Patrick come up and uh, he's going to give an angle on this that is going to be fascinating. So Patrick, if you can come up. Good morning. I'm going to talk about humility, the example that Christ set for us in humility. And, uh, and I want to talk about what it means to us today, practical application, thoughts around why we need to take this seriously. And then I'm going to read some scripture to reinforce the point, and then I'm going to give a practical example of, uh, of what humility looks like for us today. So humility uh, and the idea of waiting and the idea of waiting on Jesus and the season that we're into. It's important to understand for a moment who Jesus is. And I just want to do something really simple here, just the idea that this great consciousness that is outside of our ability to understand decided that it would be a good idea to create smaller reflections of itself and that those things would learn to be more like that thing which we call God, which is the thing that created our reality. So God did that. And you're familiar with this idea that we actually exist. Most of us kind of understand that we exist. Some of us don't, but generally we do. So um, then God said, I need to be amongst them in a way that they can they can be with me, they can comprehend me, that we can be side by side. So God lowered himself to the form of a human. And we'll get into that a little bit more late, later. And we celebrate that idea in, uh, today when we discuss humility, the humility of Christ and the example it sets for us. So when we think about our humility and about our value of us embracing humility, Humility is understanding who we are in relation to God. As I said a second ago, God is this thing outside of time that created everything that we can comprehend. So our appropriate relationship to that in our day-to-day -day behavior is to be humble, to understand that if God got bored with us, God could just go, eh, done. No more existence, no more reality, no more consciousness, nothing all wiped out. And humility is understanding that relationship. Worship, on the other hand, is adopting a posture where we physically, emotionally respond to who God is. So to worship is to go, wow, God's really big and scary. <laughs> and I love you, God. Thank you for loving me. Humility is adopting an idea, a consciousness of that. Humility is being satisfied with your life while not focusing on just your life, just your experiencing. Being neither prideful nor self-deprecating. There's a form of pride where you constantly talk about yourself and how terrible your life is and you dwell on that. That too is the opposite of humility. Humility is the opposite of narcissism and pride. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, 
because it's possible to be humble and to be confident. Humility is thinking about yourself less, spending less time dwelling on yourself. Humility includes submitting to God and legitimate authority in obedience, recognizing the virtues and values of the people around you, and giving honor where honor is due. Sometimes when it's not due. Sometimes just being nice to people. Humility is recognizing the limits of your talents and abilities while not indulging in self-deprecation. Humility is not obsessing on my faults nor overcompensating and obsessing on my greatness, my, my lack of greatness. Pride is the opposite of humility, and we need to talk about pride in order to talk about humility. Pride isolates me. Humility creates community, and it creates a space for vibrancy and love and openness. Jesus warns us that if we seek and what we seek, we will find. And to me, this has always been as much a warning as a promise. We like to think of this in terms of, if I seek a new car, I will get a new car. But really, what we have to take into consideration is the idea that if I fill myself with concerns about myself, I will be filled with concerns about myself and I will find things to be concerned about. I will find more lack, more insecurity, more worry. If I feel a little bit anxious, you know, anxiety, right? It's like a, it's like a modern uh, mind cancer, like anxiety. So many people struggling with anxiety. If I feel a little bit anxiety and I think and I seek and I, I will seek and I will find why I'm anxious. Lord, why am I anxious? Why am I anxious? If you, if you think about why you have a little bit of anxiety, you will find reasons to be anxious and you will become more anxious. So the curse of pride, the opposite of humility, when I think about myself, I find more reasons to think about myself. When I look for the wrong in the world, I find it and I find more. And I start finding it where it doesn't exist. When I dwell on what's wrong with me, I find more of what's wrong with me. And I isolate and I isolate. It's a treadmill of selfishness. Selfishness in the sense of about me, whether it's positive or negative. St. Augustine wrote a fascinating 12-step program that deals with the idea of becoming more humble. Look it up. That's your homework. But it's similar to Alcoholics Anonymous and different programs that deal with addiction and overcoming addiction, the 12-step program of AA. And I like to think that St. Augustine was attacking the idea of humility as being the opposite of being addicted to ourselves. Consider for a moment the traits of people that we find least appealing. They tend to be selfishness, self-centeredness, liars, people who cheat, people who steal, what do all these traits have in common? They're all about me. They're all about dwelling on me. They broadcast a lack of humility. I, I have this really scary thought of someone standing for Christ after death, final judgment, and Jesus says, with love and compassion, Jesus says, did you love well? And I'm concerned that the prideful person will say, well... I loved myself. And it's important to be comfortable with yourself, to feel good about yourself, to love yourself. But there's a point where it becomes dis 
destructive and it becomes disruptive and it starts to isolate you. In humility, I focus on the needs of others more so than mine. When I put the needs of others before my needs, I have an opportunity to be so busy, purposefully and intentionally loving and caring for others that I do not have time to pile worry upon worry upon anxiety about myself. So we should be busy seeking the good of others and that leads to a kind of contentment. I'm saying this from practical experience because as some of you who know me know, I've, I've, I've immersed myself in Urban Hope recently. Urban Hope is a ministry at the church that works with uh, people who, who need help. And the more I help others, the less I focus on my problems, the paler they are, the less important they are. In this year of COVID, I've had a terrible financial year, but I'm so busy loving on others and helping others that I don't care, I'm figuring it out, I'm, I'm coasting through it. And I'm not kidding, I'm not making this up. This is just the reality I'm experiencing this year. Society has this idea that we need to just be yourself. Which sounds a little bit like being addicted to myself and loving myself. Well, it is. <laughs> but our society says, just be yourself. It's in all the songs, oh, I'm going to be, you know, all that, whatever. But it begs the question, who am I? There's this pressure on young people today, just be yourself. And the young people go, who am I, right? <laughs> and they find their answers in all sorts of interesting places. We seem to have this vague idea that your identity is this random, magical thing that falls on you at a very young age and you're set forever or something. I don't know, it's so poorly defined, I don't get it. The reality is who you are is a combination of well, your parents' DNA, how you were raised, your life experiences, and more importantly, who you intend to be. Humility opens the door of potential to become something better, something other than simply a life experiment about who I am and concentrating on me. Christ encourages us to live intentionally, yeah, I got a really awful thing I wrote down here. Rather than squandering your life trying to please yourself, you can accomplish something significant by reaching out and caring for others. That sounds very judgmental, so I won't read that out loud today. I'll just skip over that. So, the act, the art of becoming humble. And it's laid out in scripture. You know, there's this moment when I was studying up and reading about humility and thinking about humility where I suddenly realized that almost the whole Bible is saying, be humble. Next time you're bored and you're reading through Ecclesiastes, read through Ecclesiastes with the thought, this is all about humility. And it's changed my, the way I'm reading the Bible, having gone through this exercise. Philippians 2, I always thought was some abstract idea about, isn't Jesus a nice guy after all? But really, when I think about it through the lens of humility, this is more or less, I'm just going to read Philippians 2 to you, bits of it. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. Now, how many people honestly go, ouch, when they hear that? I mean, really, let's be honest, I did. Not looking for your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. And again, I want to emphasize 
that our natural instinctive response is that we care for ourselves. But there's a point where it spins off into destructive pridefulness and we leave this concept of humility behind and, we, and it becomes destructive. And this is, this is a way of reining us in and bringing us back into the fold of love in Christ. Because the example of Christ is that in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, Jesus is God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He had it all. He had all the power. He had all the confidence. He had all those things that we clamor for, but he realized that he didn't want to use those to his advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. If you ever wonder our relationship to God, who are we to God? Nothing. But we are everything to God, yet we are nothing in comparison to God. And Christ took this on. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's the foundation of our faith, that God set a table before us and said, here, I die for you. I cannot imagine a more humble act than to give my life for someone else. And the, the very thing that created us did that. So how hard is it for us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling? I've often wondered, <laughs> why, why with fear and trembling? You know, anybody want to guess? Why fear and trembling? And what strikes me is that Jesus worked out his humility by dying for us. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. What on earth could be demanded of us? Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may, <laughs> may become blameless and pure. Oh, how I love this scripture. Especially those days when I have a migraine and it's raining and I hate everyone around me and I just want to grumble and go into the corner and mope. Those are good days. You know, I was thinking about this. And the picture it painted for me is when I go on canoe trips with, uh, with my daughter, Amanda, we have this pact where we go on what we call silent canoe trips. We actually do talk, but very little. And one of our key principles is that if you are suffering because it's raining and it's crappy out, keep it to yourself. Because guess what? Everybody's enduring that. Everybody's cold. Everybody's wet. And if you whine and complain, eh, it's not fair, it's cold, all you're doing is taking your burden and putting it on someone else. And it never occurred to me until like this morning when I was rereading this that when we came up with that, we were actually practicing humility. We were saying, your comfort is more important than mine. I will not burden you with my problems. Now, obviously in life, when you have someone that you are comfortable with, that you can be vulnerable with, there's space where we do discuss our concerns and issues with each other. 
But I just love this. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. And the rabbit trails that open up right now, I'll avoid those. Um, so that you may become blameless and pure. You may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault, in a warped and crooked generation. Apparently, this scripture was written last week. Because we are certainly in a warped and crooked generation. Let me read it. So that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. I think it's worth rereading the scripture and trying to see the context and the wholeness of it and what's being said there, that by embracing humility, you can become something so much better. You can become content. It occurs to me that when I am more concerned about my needs and my justice and my rights and justice for me, then I am about the needs, the rights, the justice of others. I am working against God. I'm being proud and selfish. I am not being humble. As a Christian, the value and meaning of life is the opportunity of learning to love better. And to love better is to love in humility. That love is something that pours out of me, not needing to be poured back into. That, that when it does pour back into me, that's an incredible blessing. It's amazing. But if I love in humility, I love without requiring anything of the person I'm loving. I wanted to, uh, I wanted to throw out a really practical example of what humility looks like. And... Uh, I can guarantee that some of you are going to get really annoyed with me now, and that's fine. If you have my email address, email me. <laughs> Send your complaints to the following address. COVID, as a Christian, COVID can be a great opportunity rather than a curse, and it's been very hard, yes. But I think that God's behind COVID. I think there's something going on there, and I know a lot of you are already disagreeing with me, but that's okay. Bear with me for a moment longer. I'll be off the stage and you can talk about me behind my back. That's cool. I'm good at it. I'm good with that. But if you ask anyone who knows me, they'll tell you what I think about wearing masks. I think that they're dumb. I think that they're uncomfortable. I find them inconvenient. Masks do not make me feel safe. Now, I underline the word feel. They do not make me feel safe. They're a nuisance. This is me talking. This is how I feel. However, I understand that there are people who feel safer if I'm wearing a mask. So wearing a mask becomes a symbol of humility for me. Please listen very carefully to what I'm saying. I'm setting all the science aside for the moment. And I know that there's educated doctors and nurses watching me right now who are probably looking at the ceiling going, shut up. 
No, I'm saying how I feel. In my selfishness, I don't want to wear a mask. But I understand that by wearing a mask, I may make others feel safer. I may actually be making them safer too. There's, there's that. But I'm talking about feelings right now. I'm talking about pride and selfishness. I don't want to wear a mask. Wearing a mask has now become, for me, a symbol of humility, a symbol of love, a symbol of, of caring, a symbol of humility. Does that make sense? <laughs> I am willing to alter my behavior for the sake of others while receiving no recognition. I was talking about this the other day with somebody else, and I said, you know, I'm six feet tall, and I tend to wear all black. I don't consider myself intimidating, but if you don't know me and you see me walking down the street, I'm an intimidating character. I hop when I walk. I look like, what is it, a raven? You know, and I realized a number of years ago that, that if I'm walking down the street and I'm coming face to face with a woman alone at night, that this big <laughs> is intimidating. It's like, what is this coming at me? So I adopted the habit of when I'm walking down the street and I see a woman coming in the other direction, before she has a chance to respond or react, I cross the street. I go out of my way. I alter my behavior. And it, it, it never occurred to me that I was actually doing something out of humility. See, the idea is I'm acting in humility. I'm, I'm seeking what's important for the other rather than what's convenient for me. I've often walked a block or two out of my way to avoid making people feel uncomfortable. It's a small thing. Certainly smaller than the humility that Christ showed us. So I'd like to pray now. Thank you, God, that through your son, Jesus, you showed us a path to a better life, to a greater life, to a place where we can be more loving, more content. Lord, I pray that anyone still listening to me after my rant would find a place in their heart to think of others and to think about the feelings and the life and the love of others, to be in a world where we can be more vulnerable, more open. Holy Spirit, come and touch the hearts and minds of those around us and including ourselves. Let us know, let us know your presence and your love. Lord, as we step into winter's shortest, darkest day of the year, we are stepping into the promise of new life. The light is coming. Thank you, Lord, for your love and your patience and that you walk with us in our struggles. And I just bless you all in Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen.